Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am joined, as always, by Ruth. How are you doing, Ruth? Good. What about you? Yeah, not bad. So I've gone down with some irritating cold, so I apologise in advance if there's sniffing or coughing or uh, or croakiness uh, during this podcast, so I apologise. Um, I, I feel it's important to say uh, happy anniversary to you today, Ruth. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's my wedding anniversary, but uh, my my hubby's at work, so uh, so this is fine for podcasting time. <laughs> well, there you go, ladies and gents. That is commitment to the podcasting cause, right there. We're just as committed to Welsh football as Gareth Bale. Uh, that is that, that is undeniable. So there you Possibly. go. Possibly. Possibly. Um, well, ladies and gents, we have an up, uplifting, hopefully, podcast for you today. Uh, after two very good results, I think it's fair uh, to say. Uh, recently, we've also going to mention a little bit about the women's game and, of course, the Wales game uh, which happened recently Wales beat in England 4-0 which was absolutely fantastic so um, we obviously last time we spoke Ruth uh, I was morbidly hungover and you were telling me about um, celebrating in a cupboard in a library now that uh, things have calmed down a bit I think it's, it's sensible that we kind of discuss the match we're not going to kind of go through it in a blow-by-blow account um, there's just a kind of a couple of pointers that I think it's worth raising I don't think we can deny how well we played in patches and you know had chances to to extend the scoreline but I do wonder what you thought if there was any kind of other sides to the game that we kind of didn't mention in our giddy chat the other day but you thought might be worthy of mention now um I thought there was a few things actually I think obviously our game fitness started to become an issue by the end of end of the game look at the number of players that are going down with cramps um, you, you know, I think I think if we'd have got ended up going to 120 minutes, it might have been really interesting because Paige seemed to seemed to be a little reluctant to make substitutions. Whether he just didn't want to rock the boat, or he was hanging on to people on the basis that he might need them if we go to 120 minutes. Um, I, th- I think there's some interesting stuff there, particularly when you consider the gap there's going to be between the end of the championship season and the, I mean, we don't know the dates, but it's obviously going to be mid-June-ish, isn't it, for these games? Um, so I think that might be interesting, quite that what, what that will mean for us, particularly as, you know, we may end up in a 120-minute game. Uh, what, what did you think of that when you were there? To be honest, I, I didn't really think of it as a fitness thing so much, just more of a circumstantial thing that we just kept getting pinned mm-hmm. back. And that was kind of the, the tactic, if you like. I've seen a few uh, things, uh, not just about us, but in general about how teams are happy to kind of defend their box. And I read somewhere some ridiculous that 85% of Austria's goals come from in the box. So as a consequence, you're kind of defending and getting the ball out of the box and you're happy to let them have the ball elsewhere. Mm-hmm which I thought was an interesting way of looking at it, and I, I think that's probably was how we kind of set up. Um, I think the only thing that kind of bothered me, because I, I, I wasn't so bothered about the fitness, purely because it wasn't that much of a surprise, I don't think. Um, and I do mm-hmm. think if we'd have needed fresher legs to come on and do something, we had some options there. The one thing that I do think, and I don't really know, having watched it back, how it resolved itself, but I, I, I will say that I, I hope... Paid reflects on just having Joe Allen as a as a holder on his own, because whilst we look fluent on the counter attack, I do think it created problems for us. And like I was watching those chances, the early chance that they had back, for example, there was one pass that's pulled Joe Allen out of position, leaving a spare man who was the guy who ended up playing the ball through to Baumgartner. I can't remember his name. And what happened was, I think it was uh, I think it was Rodden was left or Ben Davis maybe was left a little bit in no man's land they couldn't decide whether to go and close down the ball or go and stick with their man. And in the end, got stuck in no man's land and kind of mm. did neither. And I wondered if, if in hindsight that was because we didn't have a second holding midfielder. And I do think we remedied that when we started to sit deeper because there just wasn't enough space and it didn't really matter. But I do I, yeah. I do wonder if, if we go up against Scotland or Ukraine or when we go up against Scotland or Ukraine, if if we have to go after the game a bit, you know, like 20 minutes to go, maybe they're 1-0 up or it's 0-0 or something like that and you want to kill, see the game out in normal time, you still have to be adventurous, you still have to be on the front foot. If all of a sudden that 
thing becomes a bigger issue and leaves a bigger hole for us. That was the one thing that I'm not, I know, I feel like I'm always the bloody harbinger of doom here. I'm always negative (laughs) about something. And I'm I'm not trying to be negative at all. I think there are a lot of positives which we'll come to. But I do think that was the one lesson that needs to be learnt as far as I'm concerned. I think that I think that is all somewhat entwined, isn't it? Because the high press that we had, particularly at the start of of the game, but but you know we did hold that more or less for ninety minutes. That has consequences. It has consequences for space. It has consequences for fitness. And so I think I think the, those the two points are actually a little enmeshed. Yeah, I, I think at the at the start we were we were somewhat harried we were somewhat um hurried and rough in terms of what was happening on the field in the first well maybe all the way up until until bale's free kick really yeah and i think that there it was clear that they wanted to play the ball like through the center I'd probably targeted the fact that we might only have Joe Allen there. I, at times, I think we were saved by the fact that Aaron Ramsey was prepared to run 20 miles, or whatever. I mean, you know, God knows what his his distance stats yeah. were that day. So I think, I think in some respects, we ended up with kind of one and a half holding midfielders, and 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 that was enough. Uh, but I'm with you. I'm not sure it's going to be enough you know, going forward and particularly into a game against Scotland or Ukraine. Yeah. And I think, to be fair, and that was one of the positives I was going to mention, that I do think it's to Paige's credit (laughs) that as that game wore on, especially after Bale scored, I do think that was an intentional tactical shift that Ramsey could sit a bit deeper to allow Wilson to be a bit more prevalent on the break and that worked, allow him to press a bit higher um, and Ramsey kind of sat in a bit more and I think he did do that intentionally. I do think that worked, especially the more and more of the ball that they had, he kind of could sit in and help Joe Allen protect. And I think he did a great job of that. And as you say, he ran a hilarious distance. Um, So, you know, again, you know, we were talking, I said there about there being positives. I I do think that was a big positive. Um, Mm -hmm. I also think as well that on another day, this, you know, this is going to sound like a negative, but I mean as a positive, on another day, we we, we could win that game 5-1. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know, you know, it's a lot of ifs and buts, but Dan James has had three really good chances. Um, and even their goal is is very, very fortunate. Like, I'm not even sure the original shot is going on target. Um, and of all the opportunities for that ball to skip off of, of someone's studs and bounce just over Wayne Hennessy, um, I, I thought was super unlucky. So on another day, that there, there could have been five goals as well there, you know. So I, I, I do think there's a flip side to that that more kind of attacking approach. I know it didn't work out that way and it, it didn't need to as it happened, but I do think that's really interesting because I think looking at Scotland and Ukraine, they are teams that don't really concede many goals um, and are more than happy to kind of sit in and, and frustrate you a little bit and try and take one of their few chances. Um, so I think that when we play that sort of team, we're not going to have that space on the break, but we do need to be that super clinical um side that I, I think we ever so slightly missed against Austria. And again, I'm not saying that as a criticism, just more as a as a one eye, as a nod to that game, if you like. I, th- I think you're right. We could, we could definitely could have scored more goals, but, but they actually had more shots on goal than we did. It was marginal. They had a couple more shots on goal than, than we did. And so I think, I think we've also got to be realistic as well. Um, the... What do you think of this scenario where uh, if we continue playing without a key a key striker, you know, if we continue to have James and Bale up front, do you think we're getting away with it because we've got Bale? Um, you know, my worry is that we're asking cool. Dan James to do things which aren't really his forte. I think it's a weird one, isn't it? Because... I think the system suits us and I think it allows us to play in two or three different ways without really having many many tactical switches. I think your alternative Mm -hmm. there is leave out Dan James and I think his pace terrifies the life out of people and, you know, I think that he's been one of our most effective players in this this campaign so far which feels like it's gone on forever. Um, 
so I, I don't think you can take him out of the team. I think what's difficult with Kiefer Moore is is that he's probably one of our most productive players. But then the alternative there is to leave out Gareth Bale, and, and he showed the other day exactly why you can't do that. So it, it is a bit of a concern, perhaps, but then Kiefer Moore doesn't have the chances that Dan James had, and equally Dan James would, wouldn't be able to do some of the things that Moore has. So it's a difficult one, and I think we've talked about this before. I think the system gets the best out of almost everyone else, and it gives Gareth Bale mm-hmm. the opportunity to basically not really do much running around and when he gets the opportunity to do something incredible you know go and knock yourself out mate and and he did that the other night I think ultimately Moore doesn't get back in the side I think you have to stick with what we have and use Moore as kind of a uh, an off the belt bench alternative but you know we've we've been saying this for years what what a good problem to have you know um, we've we've certainly not had this in my lifetime of, of being a Wales fan pretty much so I think it's a good problem to have I just don't think we can change the system and the shape and everything how it seems to be working so well for us that I don't I don't really see it as a huge concern because when he is fit again more we do have options again then no I'm, I'm I wouldn't be advocating for a change I think you know injuries notwithstanding that we'll we'll be starting the same 11 come June um, but I I think at the minute we may be able to operate like this because one of those forward two players, Gareth Bale, and it's an interesting kind of foil to his play that you can have someone that can run around to the extent that Dan James can run around. So actually, I think, although neither of them is clearly a striker in the conventional sense, I think it's working for us right now. I just wonder if we can, um, and I mean, I'm thinking a ways ahead, you know, what does that mean for us going forward? So it's it's, it's a little bit more of a kind of out there question than it is a thought about the Austria game per se. Because I think it worked for the, well, it clearly worked for the Austria yeah. game. Yeah, and I do think it will work that way moving forward. Like, I, I think <laughs> Scotland are going to be a, a tough nut to crack. I was looking, I was talking to my Scottish pal yesterday and, and, and talking about the potential game against them. They are going to be a tough nut to crack and they do have some quality, but I just think... If we can be tight at the back, then that gives a bail or whoever a chance. And moving forward, a longer term thing, more can still come back into that side. And if we're looking at other alternatives to Dan James in a couple of years down the line, you know, we'll talk about the the next the the Czech game in a sec. But you know, Brennan Johnson was outstanding. I thought Colwell after the first twenty minutes was outstanding. You know, there's players there who provide a similar sort of threat. Actually, you know, Rabi Matondo, he's someone I want to talk about as well. But just uh, there are alternatives there, and I think we've got. I've got to. Rem- we've got to remember that looking forward, because ultimately, there's not going to be another Gareth Bale. He's a, he's in a once in a lifetime mm-hmm. type of player. So I think we've got to, you know, be uh, what's the word like considerate, I guess, towards the other options that we do still possess. Um, and I think that there's enough there that for now we can still keep performing at the at the level that we are. I mean, bloody hell, it's wild, Ruth. I think I think we're ranked. Were we sixteenth in the world or something like that in the minute? I mean, Jesus wept. That's absolutely uncharted territory, isn't it? It's unbelievable. So, um, you know, I think yes, it's not always going to be this way, but I don't think it's going to be that that different in a few years either, because there are genuine alternatives. Um, my one mm-hmm. one kind of uh, crossover before we talk about the Czech game uh, was Wayne Hennessy, who I thought was just outstanding. Um, having watched the game back, very unlucky with the goal. Didn't really have a save. You know, say they have more shots on target. I know that's true, but they he was he didn't make any brilliant saves at any point. I don't think Wayne, and that's no disrespect to him. He just was kind of very well protected, and he read situations <laughs> very very well. I thought he commanded his box excellently. He was talking to people constantly. Um, I was just so impressed by his contribution and. Um, to look ahead to that Czech game then, you know, obviously a hun- fully deserving of his 100th cap and he's just been a, a fabulous servant for Welsh football. It was great to, um, and to see him sort of receiving his, his mementos from, from Big Nev was, was nice as well. That for me, that's a whole sort of yeah. generational sort of cycle thing going on there that I, that I enjoyed. But I thought he played very well in, in, in both games actually coming in as cold as, as cold as he must be. I think we're very fortunate that both of our top goalkeepers seem to be able to, you know, kind of pull up, get out of the coach and play a good game without without having to do much at all. At, well, not having to do, aren't doing much at all at, at club level. And I think we're very fortunate at the minute. I think Hennessy is a bit more of a talk than Ward. That's what it strikes me as. I don't know if you'd agree. Um, and I think 
I think that's important as this as this defensive three slash five kind of coalesce, perhaps that there is a bit of a uh, uh, something a bit more vocal and a bit more sort of orchestrated back there. Perhaps that is a, a helpful aspect of his play. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I mean, that comes to my last question really about the 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 Austria game. Given Ward's injury now and, and, and everything that's going with that, let's just say for argument's sake, Ward is fit enough for the Austria game, uh, for the for the final, sorry. Do you think that Hennessy deserves to retain that number one spot again now? Or, or do you think it goes back to Ward? As of right now, I would be I would be leaving it with Hennessy as much because we don't kind of know what the situation is with Ward. It, it would depend whether he's had a bit of game time, perhaps at the end of the season, or you know, quite where he stands with his uh, with his injury. So I think as of right now, I'd be leaving it with Hennessy. I also think he's he's never let us down, and I think it's such an important game that I I can see some pluses. In, and having the experience back there as well. Yeah, that would be my take. I got to be honest. I, I hope he returns, uh, retains his spot. Sorry, you know, I've said this before. I, I don't think Wayne Hennessy did anything to deserve losing that position in the first place, um, especially with with Ward not playing regular football as well. So, for me, I, I think he one hundred percent deserves it. Um, to to as you've got anything else? Sorry, you wanted to add about the Austria game. No, no, just it was it was a good night. No, <laughs> oh, you're telling me. Um, I think I think I'm still hungover now. Um, yeah, so it was it was a fantastic evening. Obviously, it gives us lots to look forward to. We're gonna we're gonna mention the draw a little bit in a moment. We want to focus on the Czech game first. I thought it was really interesting to see all the changes. Not hugely surprising, but um, just great to see a lot of other people get in the game. Um, I'm going to cheat a little bit here, Ruth. I want to, if I take Brennan Johnson and and Ruben Colwell out of the equation, because we'll come to them. Is there anyone else who you thought, bloody, bloody hell, you've done well there? You've kind of you've talked yourself into a game. Oh, interesting. I would probably say Reese Norrington Davies would be the third name on my list after those two, yeah. and not that I would be putting him in ahead of Nico, but I think, um, well, Nico is extraordinary, but I think it gives me good confidence in that left wing back position. So yeah, I would agree with you about Colwell and and Johnson, but I'd, I'd probably add Norrington Davies as, as the third one on the list for me. Yeah, I, I thought he played well. I thought, I've got to say, I thought um, Chris Meppham had a very good game. Um, he sometimes mm-hmm. gives me heart palpitations and he and he did that again at times his his kind of passing and his positional sense sometimes a bit iffy but the amount of kind of brilliant recoveries he made as the as the game kind of went on um i thought second half especially you know they kind of tr- turned the screw a little bit i thought and and he dealt with that really really well um yeah i i thought he was great and he's he's kind of made made the the manager's decision maybe a little bit more difficult i didn't think ben cabango had a bad game either to be, to be perfectly honest um, but uh, but yeah, I, I thought I thought there's a couple of good performers there. Um, uh, Mepham probably being the the best of the rest in my mind. Um, to look at those two that we mentioned um, at the start there, Johnson and Colwell. Um, we'll start with Johnson. What did you make of him and his performance? Because I, I I enjoyed his directness and his his pace, his willingness to take mm-hmm. people on so much. It was it was so much fun to watch. Yeah, I would I, I would echo that, and and it's, it reflects. I've seen of him playing for Forest over over the year as well. I think if we if we didn't have a Gareth Bale, he would be in our starting eleven, and we'd be more than happy to have him there. And I think I think he's um, obviously he's 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 not going to push push Gareth out of out of position the way he's playing at the minute. But I think it's we know that he's there and capable and has. Uh, just, just that a sort of attacking flair, and he sees things very well. Just like the pullback for Colwell, it you know it was it was timed perfectly. It was in his stride. I think it's just, um, yeah. It's, I think we've, we've got a good in there. We've got a good couple there, no doubt. Oh yeah, no question there. I, I think his ability to impact the game from different positions is what I liked as well. He was he was equally happy running wide. He was equally happy creating and cutting inside as he was taking people on centrally as well. I, I just thought he was fantastic. He was the man of the match for me. Didn't kind of stop running. So energetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just and you think how young he is. I think he's 19. 
so much still to come from him. So, uh, yeah, I was really enthused by that. And i got to say, I have watched, obviously, Colwell play for, for Wales, not not so much for Cardiff. Little bits here and there. Every time I've seen him, I've thought, he looks like he's got potential. He's, he's a big lad. He's quite strong. He's relatively quick. Mm-hmm. But I've just not seen the fuss that everyone else has, has, has made about him, about him being the next big thing, so to speak. And i got to say, after the first 20 minutes, I was thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm still not convinced. But then... He finally got himself going somehow. I don't really know what it was. He, unbelievable touch and turn at some point. Um, receiving the ball, quick passing out wide. And do you know what? I would look back at his goal just before we recorded. In principle, that looks like quite an easy finish. I think the keeper's flat-footed, a little bit out of position. But Johnson, that ball back is not quite a no-look pass, but he's certainly not looking at Colwell. And... Mm-hmm. It's, it's a perfect pass, but there's quite a bit on it. He's not just kind of like rolled it to him. He's kind of given him a bit. No, no. So to be running at that at full speed, just out of stride and still stroke that right into the corner, I was super, super impressed with that finish. I really, really was. And it's not quite as easy as it looked. And I think from then on, he grew and grew and grew and grew into the game. And I thought I thought he had a fantastic night. And we're talking earlier about things looking forward. Again, he's a young boy. I think he's 18, 19, looking forward again. He's someone who can come into the into the void that Gareth Bale might fit, might leave in a couple of years. I'm not trying to heap too much pressure on him, but I'm saying in terms of potential, he, he is someone who in a couple of years, five years maybe, I think will seems to certainly have a lot about him. And I was so impressed with 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 the way he played after that first 20 minutes. No, I would I would agree. I think. Um... Something that sort of connected to that, but I found interesting was often in friendlies like this sort of almost be into internationals, a manager, one will take the opportunity to obviously try out some, some of the younger players and some of the fringe players, but also take the opportunity to try out a different system. And I thought it was really interesting that, that we got to watch the a second tier sounds cruel, doesn't it? But we got to watch this tier of players in effectively exactly the same formation as we'd seen the prior Thursday and and really make a very sort of interesting comparison of, you know, who was knocking on the door, who actually could slot into the the first team most easily. And I I, I think it it was uh, an occasion that demonstrated that friendlies do still have a place when you when you are in the position to use them appropriately. Yeah, definitely. I would take issue with one thing you said there in, in terms of our setup. In that, I, I don't actually think we did play the same way as we did on the on the Thursday night, and that was one thing I was actually I was going to say about Rob Page is we actually kind of set up with like a two and a three, um, rather one and a two and a two. So I was actually I was really intrigued by that. But do you not think? See, I think we ended up more as a two and a three against Austria than than perhaps it looked initially particularly when Ramsey dropped back. But I still think we the two central were the, were the key, the two up front central, whereas against the Czechs, it was Colwell holding it up and the other two were coming in from wide. Um, and I think that's interesting, actually, because I, I listened to Edgefoth saying Zorba Thomas couldn't quite get into the game. And I think part of the reason for that was actually because a lot of the time Johnson was making runs into those spaces. So I, mm-hmm. I I do think there was definitely some variety in it. My, my my point either way was, I think that that's another example of how easily, relatively speaking, we can rotate this five at the back system, and this would be mm-hmm. our kind of third option, if you like, in terms of how we can play, and having having those two wide players who can tuck in and make a genuine three and fullbacks bombing on. All right, it didn't happen as much on the right hand side as it did on the left, but I, I thought that that again was some an extra bit of versatility and it showed that when we do make these little switches um it it can w- still work for us without kind of huge you know reshuffles and whatever else and when you look at you know the system i i thought it worked out really well the only thing i will say is to be negative that we did give the ball away a lot in the first half an hour or so and I and I, I, I that's partly because teams aren't you know the team aren't used to playing together but I do think that that was something yeah. we did have to kind of keep an eye on as well oh, I can't disagree with that we looked quite unsettled until we scored and but the encouraging thing is it got markedly better in the the yeah. remaining 60 minutes of the of the game after that didn't it um 
I think I think we might be saying the same thing about the formation. I think the difference is in the Austria game on the right hand side, Roberts was doing the run in and Bale wasn't. Whereas in the Czech game, Johnson was doing the run in and, and Thomas wasn't. And I think it's I think it's just that's just that to me seems like a nuance of the system rather than a different system. Um so but I agree with you. I think it was perhaps harder for the for the wing backs to get involved in the Czech game when you've got Matondo and Brennan Johnson running running ahead of them. Yeah, I can see that. I, I personally slightly disagree, but I mean, we could we could we're very we're, we're talking <laughs> yeah. about uh, minor, minor <laughs> margins, and I'm often wrong anyway, so I'll not I'll not hammer that point home. But um, that we you mentioned Matondo there. He was someone I thought deserved. Uh, a bit of a conversation as well. I, I tweeted afterwards, I don't think he's quite international standard. And as someone pointed out to me, what does international standard mean? To play for San Marino, you've got to be a very different standard than you do play for France, which is a fair <laughs> point. I guess the point I was making is, I don't think he's quite got... When we look at Johnson and Colwell, I think after seeing them, you know, let's say 10 times each for the sake of argument, I can say to them, they're not the finished article yet, but whatever the thing is, they've got the thing. Like whether it's their movement or their ability with a ball or the ability to pick a pass or to finish off a move or whatever that thing is. Do you know what I mean? That magic little it. Mm-hmm. I think I can say that they have that. Whether they'll turn it into something, whether it'll take five years, I obviously can't tell you. But I, I feel like I've, I've seen it in them. Whereas with Matondo, hugely fast, hugely threatening, and every, not every time, but I feel a lot of the time he gets into a an attacking position, he often picks the wrong pass. And I and I partly think, like, I, again, I tweeted this at the time, I, I part of me thinks he's just trying a bit too hard. He's so desperate to do well for Wales that the composure and the calmness that he has when he's playing in Bruges at the minute just deserts him at the key time. And there was one mm-hmm. moment in the first half where he broke down the left-hand side, turned his marker, absolutely left him for dead, pushed up against the next man, ran around the left-hand side of him. All he has to do is try and roll that ball across the box. It may not come to anything, but that's the right decision. If someone clears it, happy days, you've done your best, mate. But he tried to kind of have some sort of like weird toe poke outside of his foot thing. And you're just like, oh, mate. And there was similarly in the second half, Johnson's made a great run down the right and all he has to do is run over the shoulder, like run behind the shoulder of the of the center half, of the center half, and he's got a he's got a tap in, and he ran behind him. He ran the other way round, mm-hmm. and it was that thing. He was he was so desperate. It seemed to be on the move and pick the right pass and and do all this stuff. When actually the simple thing, the most obvious thing, is is what was needed, and he just couldn't quite time it well or couldn't quite get it out and I thought that was really telling and part of that might just come with with age and time because he is only 21 I think but I, I do still mm-hmm. maintain I'm, I'm still not sure if he's got it he's definitely got enough to be in and around our squad I'm, I'm not questioning that but I'm not sure if he was ever quite going to go on to the level of let's say the level I think Brennan Johnson might I just feel like it's still early days with him I, I think um He's a little like James in that he's a winger that we're perhaps asking to do more than that in this scenario. Um, I, I'm with you. I think his his decision making needs work, but that's that's going to come with experience and time. And I I think I I just hope he's a somewhat of a slow developer, but I think there is development there. So I'm I I just want to see him kind of continue to knock you know knock around the the squad uh be involved be there as a potential option i I don't think he's threatening anyone's place in the in the first 11 but i don't think it's a scenario either no i don't think it's a bad thing um and i know i'm and i still want him to be involved and i do think that you know, if he got some, get some good coaching and is given a, you know, people give him a chance, then I do think that that moment, that broke through season type thing will come. I just, I just wonder, you, you know, mm-hmm. we, we say that we're asking him to do stuff that he's not used to. He has been playing in that outside left position this season 
with the with the role of kind of cutting mm-hmm. inside and being a goal scorer, and he's done that really, really well. So that does make me think if. But that... it took him some time to establish himself there as well, didn't it, Dave? It's not like he hit the ground running when he got to Bruges. True, but I'm I'm just I'm more saying I guess that you know we're saying that he's doing something we're not asking him to do uh, that he can't do. Sorry, he's not used to doing it. Whereas I'm not really strictly sure that's true. I think he is used to doing that. I think he has been doing that. I think that the, 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 it just raises the level of the, the question of the level when you know he's be able to do it in Bruges. He can't do an international standard, and I know that's a big jump up, and I get that. Um, and I, you know, as I say, he, he still needs more time. He still needs to be coached. I'm, I'm, I don't know whether he, how coachable he is. I, you know, I've never met the man. I don't know if he's what he's mm-hmm. like, but I, there's definitely enough there for for him to be involved. I'm just, I, I feel like he's just a bit further behind some of the others in the pecking order at the moment. Well, I would, I would agree with that. I don't, I don't disagree with the pecking order. Um, I just, I just think there's enough there to persevere with. Basically, at the minute, is my my take. Would he be in? Would he be in a? 23 for me and if we were in a you know looking at a kind of closed squad of 23 he might not make the 23 but I, I, I think there's enough for him to be involved yeah I, I, I don't think he'd make a 23 but yeah I, I, I agree with you otherwise I think he's enough to be in the 26 and to be involved I think that's fair mm-hmm. um, there was one thing I just wanted to raise um, before we move on to the group and the draw was um, the Gareth Bale statement after the after the match, he talked about. Um, I think the word he used were parasites, um, which well, I thought, that's what was used about him. Yeah, wasn't it? exactly. Uh, and yeah. I and I and I thought that was really interesting. I thought the way he spoke was really interesting straight after the match. But I thought his statement after the match was really really telling. Um, and I think it's important that we kind of reference this because he is obviously a, a fairly quiet bloke. He just wants to play football and have a laugh with his mates. Um, and I think the the treatment he's been given is obviously horrible, but you can tell he's got to a point with it now where he just can't be asked anymore. He just is so sick of it. And I think it's worth kind of taking note of, of that and, you know, obviously the effect that this sort of stuff does have on footballers. I think the timing is interesting, not not just obviously because it came... I mean, the, the, the coverage in, in Madrid obviously came on the back of him not playing um, in El Clasico and then playing so well for, for us. But I think the timing of Bale's kind of response statement is quite interesting because he's, he's kind of like counting days till he's out of Real Madrid, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and if he's, if he's ever going to say something about that treatment, he has to say it while he's still in situ at Real Madrid because once he's out the door, it's, it kind of, if this same statement were being made in August, it would, it would come across like, like, well, it's old news, as it were. Whereas now it has some impact. Yeah. So I, I think I think the timing was obviously precipitated by what was said in the Spanish media in 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 the week round the Austria game. But I think his intent to say something I think may have been there as he was kind of exiting the door at Madrid. I don't know if you listened to an interview that was on Five Live with. Um, my journalist, it wasn't the guy who wrote the piece, but he was obviously sort of put up as a spokesperson on Five Live to to respond to the the piece. And one of the things that said he said that struck me was he said, we don't recognise ourselves, i.e. we the press, don't recognise ourselves in what Gareth Bale is saying. Now, if you are so blinkered that you can't even see an issue then it's no wonder the issue isn't improving yeah i mean i i hadn't heard that i but I, and i think that's absolutely staggering i i, mm-hmm. I, I and i just i'm not sure i believe that actually i think if you're going to call someone a parasite no, I, do you know what i mean i i i just think what a what an odd way to defend yourself i, I suppose it is mm-hmm. yeah. it is the way the way i'd respond to that i don't know I, and i think it's difficult you know because i think everyone's business depends on everyone else in a weird way mm-hmm. you know the premier league or la liga or whatever you know there's huge money knocking around and that thrives on the attention that the media whether it's the written media or sky sports or whoever else brings in the same way that 
these papers and these media outlets need these players to kind of keep going. So it's this weird kind of circle mm-hmm. where in an odd way everyone needs each other and hates each other all at the same time. It, it is quite odd. Yeah. And, I, and I don't know how much money you can get paid before that that kind of eats away at you. And it, it, it must mess with you and, and make you a, quite an odd person. I, I'm not for a moment implying Gareth Bale is odd. But I'm just, in general, that sort of celebrity, if you like, that that is kind of sometimes generated through the media. So what I, that I hadn't heard that. That's a super odd statement, I would say. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's, it's also a sign as well, like you say, that he's on his way out in some way, shape or form. And he's kind of not really giving a shit, um, which... Yeah. Which says a lot. I mean, one of the we've had a, a couple of questions tonight, which I'm going to blindside you with, Ruth. Um, one of them was from Darren Lewis, Dazzler170 on Twitter. Um, I, his full list was, where would you like to see Bale, Ramsey, Rodden and Nico Williams next season? His response to me was, um, I'd like you to answer that question, um, but I know you're just going to say Newcastle. So I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> um, uh, because there may be a shred of truth in that. Um, I, I, I would just be interested to know where you think Bale might go next year. Um if we qualify him because there was obviously the chat that his agent came out this week and said he wants to go to Cardiff I was wondering what you thought of that and, and where you might see him playing next year yeah I mean I, w- I wonder whether that's just like kind of <laughs> almost saying I wonder if Bennett is kind of saying something for the sake of saying something I, ca- I can't yeah. see that happening um, I, I can't see him going to Cardiff um, I, I honestly don't know um I think one of the key things here is obviously whether we qualify or not for for the World Cup in November, December, but also whether Bale wants to be playing club. Does he actually want to be playing club football? Or right at the minute, is he ready to hang up his boots and he he just needs to get through 2022? Um, In in which case, he he may not even go to a club. He may not even go to a club in in the autumn. You know, if we if we are off to Qatar, it, his priority at that point might be just making sure he's fit and healthy for for those games. He's he's shown he is probably better for some game time, but I think he can be more than good enough for us without club level game time. But particularly if he's he's training well and is and is fit and healthy, I think the I think the key thing here is, does he actually want to carry on being a club level footballer? Um, or or is, is he ready to hang up his boots? Yeah, I don't know where he's going, Dave. I don't know where he's going. My, I can't, I, I think he'll do one more year come what may. I think, I think he wants to be able to prove to himself and to other people that he can still do it. And the Madrid thing was a, a blip, if you like. He wants to go out on his terms. The the thing I can see is I can see him going to America, um, mm-hmm. and I think the reason for that is if he goes to Cardiff, let's say he's got no chance of living a normal life. He's going to be king of the world there. He's under such an intense spotlight in in Madrid. If he went pretty much anywhere else in the Premier League, he would be a huge under huge scrutiny. I think if he went in the Championship, because it would be Gareth Bale in the Championship, be the same thing. I think if he goes to America. Mm-hmm. The percentage of people who would recognise him, especially if you went to a sportsman city, I'll use the example of Boston just because we know mm-hmm. a bit about it. But the New England Revolution are comfortably fifth on the yeah. on the list of uh, of sports teams in Boston. So let's say so. I, I think it would be the kind of thing where he could probably live a relatively normal life, probably have quite a nice year in Boston. Um, or, or, or a city like that, um, you know, I'd, I'd say maybe similarly Chicago, for example, which is a sports mad city, but has big teams in, in baseball, in ice hockey, in football, in f- football, football, um, uh, as well as, as normal football. So, you know, that sort of place, I could see that happening and having a normal life, playing some football and, and still, you know, earning and keeping himself fit for any potential World Cup. That That's what I can see happening next, but... I uh, mm-hmm. I I obviously don't I obviously don't know enough about it. Um, to, I can I can see that being tempting from a timeline point of view, Dave. Because let's let's say we've got our June games. Let's say he takes July off for for argument's sake. Comes across here. Obviously, they're in mid-season. That you know, into into August, they're they're 
they're playing football here. It's a summer. It's a, a closer to a summer calendar. So you know he goes into sort of his own preseason, plays with them for September and October. You know, perhaps with a view to look, if we both enjoy this and it works for us, I will come back next year and do a full season yeah. with you. You know, I can I can see that being attractive to a team over here that's pushing for the playoffs. Um, I think, as you say, the the different I mean, it wouldn't be anonymous by any means, but it'd be a different amount of kind of notoriety over here. And we have seen it work for several players to rejuvenate and, and rebreathe energy into into their careers. Yeah, I, I would say so, and that's the 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 upside uh, for me in a non-footballing sense, which I think probably appeals to him. I mean, you know, obviously not necessarily in Boston, but I, I happen to know there are some very nice golf courses uh, in certain parts of America as well. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm sure that won't have gone unnoticed by him. Um, we're obviously talking about the the, the World Cup the itself. Other, the other question, the, the rest of the question from, from the chat, was it Daniel on Twitter? Uh, Darren. Is it da- Darren on Twitter. Um, I, th- I actually think... Newcastle for Rodden might not be a bad option at all, although they might have solved their centre-back problem. Um, who else was on his list? Uh, Nico Williams. Nico I, Nico, I can see staying with Fulham. I think that's working really well for him. Do you Do you not think so? I don't think so. I think he'll go back to Liverpool. Um, and I think I can see him going to another Premier League club on loan next season helping him take that one more step up maybe a newly promoted tie side so maybe I could stay with Fulham actually now I was yeah, just so contradicting yeah. myself yeah, yeah that's not a bad yeah, shout that's what I mean that's what, I'm not necessarily st- um, Liverpool are ready to sell him I think I think he's an asset that they either will hold on to or they'll want to cash in when they can really cash in so I think a, you know a full year perhaps at Fulham might not be a bad option for them Ramsey I think is interesting um, you know Rangers might not be such a Silly option. They'll have he'll have games in Europe. They've got a decent sized squad. I mean, they can't do a lot of rotating, but they they certainly you know can rotate to the extent where they wouldn't need him playing Saturday, Wednesday every week. Um, I think he's another one where just the slightly less pressurized. And I'm not saying that playing for Celtic isn't, but I don't think it's pressure on him per se in the way that it might be if he came to a, a Premier League team. So, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me if, if he stays up there, if he's enjoying it and he's he's finds, you know, he feels at home there. I think that's one of the key things that both he and Bale have faced of late in, in Juventus in Madrid is just not feeling at home. And I think that would go a long way with, with both of them at the minute as to what their next step would be. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to disagree just because of the finance angle of things there. I'm just not sure how that would work. I'm just not sure that the finances... I mean, as I understand it, Juve are paying all of his salary at the moment, so I'm just not sure how that would work. I think he would need something else for that. Um, Rodden to Newcastle, I I totally agree with you. I think that's a a good shout. I'd be more than happy with that. Um, I think he needs to go somewhere, uh, and uh, whether that is Newcastle United, I'd be delighted with. Um, to look a little bit further ahead, maybe getting a bit ahead of ourselves. Galois and Francis said, are we getting too excited for this play- playoff game? Is it actual genuine belief that we're going to do this? Um, I think it's important we mention the draw. Um, before we do, and I'm going to let you keep eating uh, whilst I've turned the volume all the way down. Uh, Paul Godding at 7Puzzle on Twitter has got in touch and said uh, about the potential of FIFA doing a 34-team World Cup where ourselves, Iran, the USA... England, Scotland and Ukraine um, are split into two groups of three and the winner of the two groups of three progresses to the next phase, thus giving us and Ukraine and the Scots a fair crack of the whip. I think it's an interesting um, idea. I don't really think it's, it's going to happen. I'm not sure how viable it is, but I, I do quite like the idea that everyone kind of gets in. Um, I just... Uh, I'm not sure how realistic it is. Equally, if I if I'm being selfish, if I'd flown all the way to Ukraine, I only saw us play twice against England and uh, Scotland or whatever way that would work. I'm not sure how over the moon I'd be about it. Um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I think people want to help the Ukrainians have 
a fair and decent crack at this. And, and, and in fairness, the players themselves have said that they don't particularly want a buy into it. They'd like to earn the spot. But it's difficult to see how they'll be in a position to have a fair crack at this, even in June. Um, I think, particularly when you consider that Scotland or the Ukraine are going to have to fit in two more competitive games in June. You know, maybe maybe one of their Nations League games can be pushed back to the September window because that, that currently has only got two games in it rather than three. So, you know, that's a possibility. Um, but I can see I can see some merit in the the six the six teams, as it were, a three and a three. It's not ideal. It's it means, as you say, teams are going out there with the potential of just playing two games in their group rather than rather than the three games that we would expect. Um, quite how you decide who's in which part of the three, I don't know. Um, but I I can see that if you're trying to do the best for you for the Ukrainians, that might be the best option. Yeah, I, I mean, is, is just. Yeah make an extra group as it were and and have people going in through to the last 16 that way i can't see it being likely dave i think fifa are so entrenched i think they kind of feel this is uefa's problem and uefa have to solve it and it's you know what what is in it for fifa to solve it really there isn't it's kind of uefa's problem and i, th- I think ultimately fifa are just going to shrug and say well who are you who are your entrants uefa yeah. sort yeah. it out uh, I think I think it's going down that line. Yeah, I just I, I I'm going to sound a heartless bastard now. Mm-hmm. I and I know football, as we've said a million times, is is not the most important thing in the world. But I do think there's a, a line to be drawn here because there's other countries in the world that have got a war going on, and I don't want this to be a geopolitical mm-hmm. podcast, but it's true. There's there's countries yeah. that we don't look at and think, okay, well let's give Yemen uh, a pass um, because because they're involved in a conflict in Saudi Arabia. There's lots of countries um, in Africa, for example, who are struggling in different ways, be it a civil war, um, and they didn't get a pass. And I, and I know this sounds horrible, mm-hmm. but I do think there is a line to be drawn here and. And I hope the Ukraine get there, not at our expense. And if someone can figure something out for them, then I think that's I think that's great. But this is still a football tournament, and I think the team who wins the most amount of games should get to go to the World Cup, because that's what the World Cup is there for. And like I say, if something gets, I, I wouldn't begrudge them a, a, a buy there. And if they, that's what turned out, then good for them. But I do. I don't really like this whole thing of, you know, what, why, why, why would we have to stand aside or go? Why would we have to go in a weird group or why would, you know? And, and I'm, oh, people are going to slag me now. I, I can hear it, but <laughs> I, I, I don't mean this in a horrible way to Ukraine. I just mean that I feel like we got to draw a line somewhere because this can become endless otherwise. I, I think your point about setting a precedent, Dave, might actually be the most important reason that something isn't done. Um, I, I do think it's I think it's a dangerous precedent, as you say, because where 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 do you draw the line for trying to accommodate teams? And I think um, I think that might be FIFA's argument back to UEFA is like, well, we we can't do this, we can't make this precedent. You've got to work out how your teams are qualifying. Um, and I I think I think these games are going to get shoehorned into Jan into June, and that's just what's going to happen. Yeah, I think. And if the Ukrainians, if the Ukrainians can't field an eleven, Scotland get a bye. You know, it's. I think it's. It's going to be. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Um, and I think that's. You know, it's not ideal, but I think it's probably the fairest thing in the in the in the bigger scheme of this. Um, a few couple of interesting tweets that we've had um, just on the draw. Obviously, we've been drawn in a group against England, mm-hmm. Iran, and the USA. Well, no, we have, we haven't. But I'm, I'm not comfortable talking about this. We haven't been drawn in a group. Well, we one ha- of three teams yeah. are in that group. Yeah, we we, we, we have. We've we, we've just got to qualify first. <laughs> we have been drawn in that group. Um, 
so to 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 look at this, um, Gowan France asks, um, do we is there genuine belief that we're going to do this? I don't really want to do the genuine belief that we're going to do no, this. No, um, no, no, I'm not. I'm, we haven't qualified. I'm I'm really superstitious about this sort of thing. We have. I, I know. Qualified. To be fair, I, I to find be it fair, very difficult to talk about that that group. To be fair, he's asking, are we going to do this? So uh, I, I think that, that <laughs> that's a fair question. Um, I think in in terms of the group, I'm. I don't like that we're playing England if we qualify, um, but I do think I'd rather play at England rather than a France or a Spain or an Argentina or a Brazil in terms of getting out of the group. I think I don't know enough about Iranian football, but a quick glance at their results show that they're hardly a, a thriller minute team, and I think they're a gettable team. And in the same way, the USA, um, I think, have some quality players in people like uh, Pulisic, um, and McKinney and young talent like Gio Reyna. But again, they absolutely love conceding goals. Um, they've made fairly heavy work of qualifying considering a lot of their opposition isn't that of, of that higher standard. So I, I do think in, in terms of quality, that is a gettable group. Um, I'm not going to press you on it as I can already feel your uncomfortableness uh, coming through uh, my speaker that I'm sat opposite. The one question I am going to ask you, which I thought was a really interesting one, um, Sean Paul Griffiths um, has co uh, contacted us. He says he's lived in Guatemala since 2005. He sees a lot of the US football and the US national team. They're not super tight at the back and he feels they are much better. There are much better US teams in the past. What does Ruth make of the USA team? I would agree with that. I th I think, as you say, they've made heavy heavy weather of their um, their their conference and their qualification. Uh, it is very drawn out. There's a there's a lot of rounds and 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 the the, the various national sides. Keep, it feels like almost like they dip their toe in and then then they're not playing again for six months. And I don't think that's helpful the way it's structured over here. Yeah. Um, I would agree with you. I think their strength is up front. Um, I th I think they are. Whoever is playing them is is going to view them as a, a a gettable team. I think because they they seem to make heavy weather when it's not necessary. If that makes sense, I, I we'll we'll obviously treat this tease this out far more if if this becomes a reality rather than a possibility um but i i think they one of their advantages may be the timing um in as, as we were saying earlier when we were talking about bail i think because a lot of obviously not all of them, but a lot of their players are based over here in the U.S. and the calendar. It, the World Cup is going to fall at what might feel like a more natural time for European players, i.e. the end of the season. And I wonder whether there may be uh, maybe a benefit for them that comes from that. Uh, I, d I don't know. I th I'm with you. I think they have been kind of tr getting in their own way and tripping over themselves rather of late. Um and I think they're quite unsettled. Yeah. Uh, I think they're still trying to find who they are. And I think this World Cup might be one too soon for them really to impose themselves. Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. Rob Bell um, has contacted us on Twitter. He said, you know, there are some good players on paper. And I think that's a good way to, to look at it. Mm -hmm. I think they're yeah. not quite a team yet. And I, I agree with you about the rotation that they do, I think, is really, really interesting. Um, mm -hmm. And I get that that means they have a wider pool of players and, and all this sort of stuff. And they pick teams they think will win certain games. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So I, I can go with that. Um, I do still maintain their gettable. I don't think Bear Halter is, is a particularly good coach. Um, I think he wants to play a certain brand of football that they're not ready to play yet. And I don't think he's willing to adapt to that. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that's helpful. But again, I think you're right. We'll tease that out uh, in more detail another time. Um what I do want to move on to next, we don't want to focus too much on the group yet because obviously we've got a, a long way to go. But um, I do think we should mention another important qualification group, seamless link there, as the Wales women's team are playing France and Kazakhstan in uh, a couple of days. I think the 8th of April is the first game there. Um, two big games for them, Ruth. Um, I think the France game, it would be great to get a point out of that. But I think Kazakhstan away... I think is a huge, huge game for the for the girls. If we're going to get second and get into that playoff spot, go into these 
tricky sort of places are, are games that we've got to go and, and exploit and, and hopefully the girls will do that but it's a big big game well I think they're both big games the the you I don't think you're wrong I think the the three points in the Kazakhstan game may prove more pivotal as it were than something out of the France game uh, but I think they will go in with a lot of confidence given how they played in the Pinatar Cup you know, took Belgium to penalties, had a really good come-from-behind win against Scotland. Uh, I, I I can see us going at the French a bit. I'd, I'd, well, I'd like to see us going at the French a bit. I don't want to see us sort of regressing to that holding on for a draw-type play that, that we seem to slide into in, in the latter part of, uh, of Ludlow's tenure. I think we, we're, we're better than that. And uh, I, I would like to see us asking questions of the French, although, as you say, I think a point in that game would be a good, would undoubtedly be good, a good return. Um, and, th- and three in Kazakhstan. It's perhaps more important. I think you're right in that regard. hundred percent. I mean, if you offered me three points in Kazakhstan now, uh, but you're guaranteed to lose the France game. I would, I would snap your arm off. I think that, like, I think we've got to be realistic in that the playoffs are looking like our most likely source. And it'd be great to get a result against the French. Don't get me wrong, but I think we've also got to go for what's important to us. And I think, and I think that's that. I hope we can get something against the French. I think we're more than capable of it. I thought we were very unlucky last time not to get a point uh, from the game mm-hmm. out in France, especially when we were due, reduced to ten as well. So it's going to be interesting. Um, really looking forward to watching those two games and hopefully we come away with more than three points. I think that would be fantastic. Um, as we are kind of coming to a, an end here, um, the other thing we wanted to mention was the Wales Sea game. They beat England 4-0 uh, in Carnarvon, uh, which uh, is a fantastic result. Interesting to see some of the Wrexham England players, if that makes sense, uh, dro- dropping out of that game. I thought, mm-hmm. I, I thought that was very interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I mean, I don't know how much of you of the game you have you've seen, but it was very entertaining. Um, and of, of, obviously, we scored four goals in the first half, four goals in the first thirty-five minutes, I think. Uh, and uh, it is it is an interesting scenario, particularly where you consider the the, the respective um, sort of pools that the the two teams are being pulled from. I think it speaks very highly of the of the um Camry Premier League that that they the, the guys came together so well gelled so well you know that it's it's a it's quite a sort of confrontational and and uh I don't know I don't want to say well it's 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 confrontational in a in a good way you know it's that it's quite an aggressive league I suppose is what I'm saying and I think the fact that they put all that aside and came together so well and played some really nice football um and a good crowd at Carnarvon. I, th- I think these sorts of games are a great thing to, to take around the country a bit. Um, I know the previous two have both been, um, I think one was in Barry. I think this might be the second one in North Wales, actually. Yeah. And um, I, th- I think it's good to see good to see that happening. Um, I'm with you. I thought it was really interesting that some of the, the notional English players for, for Wrexham didn't, didn't, didn't want to... Uh, didn't want to annoy the annoy the gogs quite that much. I thought that was very funny, but uh, no, a, a good performance and I think a good a good route for these players and just you know just the pride being able to put on that shirt, put on that badge. I, I think it's a really good reward for uh, and a really good statement about the league. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I would agree. Um, I do just want to finish very briefly on Rex, and we don't want to do a, a club review by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but I just wanted to say, I, I, I know we've missed a week, but their 6-5 win I kind of watched on Twitter, <laughs> and it was absolutely mental. But I, I don't know if you've seen, Ruth, um, Paul Mullins' goal against uh, Stockport in the Cup this weekend. But, oh, my goodness me, the absolute balls on the bloke to chip the keeper from that angle... <laughs> From what thirty-five? Oh, what a finish that was! Absolutely unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds flew over for the day to watch the match. <laughs> uh, I, I can I can imagine he wasn't on Norwegian Air, was he? But um, yeah, I, I just uh, yeah, unbelievable. So yeah, credit to to Paul Mullin, who was one of the people who dropped out of that of a bit of a, team. Becoming a bit of a speciality, those late late goals, aren't they? But, I mean that that win against Stockport. It was two in two in 
second half injury time to, to take them through to Wembley. And what an event that's going to be. I've, can you imagine the showbiz that's going to be around that and them off to the FA Trophy oh at Brexit? Oh, my God. I'm sure there'll be a few strong continental lagers drunk that day, uh, is, uh, <laughs> is what I think is fair to say. Um, well done. Well done. I mean, getting getting through to any final at Wembley is, uh, you know, warrants a, warrants a congratulations. Yeah, well, no complaints from this end. I can only imagine how that must feel getting through to a cup final at Wembley. Anyway, um, on that happy note, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, we will we will round up just under an hour. So there you go. Good for us. Uh, thank you very much for your time, Ruth. Lovely chatting to you as always. Good. Yep. Looking forward to the to the women's game on on Friday. I think I think I might be able to. Well, I'll at least get it on the radio, so uh, I'll be following along with that. Looking forward to it. Good luck to them. Yep, good luck to the to, good luck to the girls, and hopefully uh, we'll be back with a follow up uh, after those two games in a couple of weeks. Thank you very much for your time, ladies and gentlemen. We will speak to you soon. Bye bye. Bye bye.